Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. I'm going to share something and, uh, that I really felt God put on my heart. And uh, let's read this portion uh, of Scripture. If you've got your Bible with you, who's got their Bible? Wave it if you've got a Bible that glows. Wave it if your Bible glows. That means it's on a phone or iPad. How many of you are old school Christians still believe in the power of pages? Wave those at me. Come on, the book of Moses says, if you don't have pages in your Bible, you don't get to heaven. I'm going to read this, these are a few verses, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay and quickly, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. Lord, we thank you for your word and I thank you that it'll do what it's set out to do. I thank you for what this day represents and I pray that your kingdom come and your will be done today in this service in your awesome, awesome name. Amen. Why don't you just go ahead and give God some praise just one more time if you're grateful. Um, I, love, uh, I love Easter Sunday. I mean, I just love church any day. How many of you just love church any day? I, I'm, one of those, um, I'm one of those people that I think it's okay to get excited in church. I think if we have... If there's anybody that has a reason to get excited, Christians do. And uh, today is such a special day for us. I was thinking of, I think I may have said this a few Easter's ago, but I just like it, so I'm going to say it again. Um, but I was thinking uh, of the story someone told me that of the gentleman that was traveling through the Holy Land with his wife and his mother-in-law. And he's traveling through the Holy Land and they were doing, his, doing a trip and his mother-in-law was elderly. And they're doing a trip through the Holy Land. They're going through Israel and, and all of the different places and seeing where Jesus went and where he walked and all of that. And his mother-in-law being elderly and, and uh, one night she, uh, she laid down to go to sleep. And during the night she went to be with her Lord and Savior and um, she passed away. And of course the next day the, the family gathered and, uh, you know, they were mourning somewhat and, and crying together and, and they, were, they began discussing what they were going to do because 
they, she had passed away and she was in the Holy Land and, and one of the gentlemen from the mortuaries came up to her and said, look, we need to talk to you about um, what you wanna do. Your mother-in-law has just passed away. He said, there's two options. We can um, actually ship her body back to the USA for you um, and, and we can do the funeral back in the US. He said, the cost to that, that will be about $15,000. But then he went on to say, he said, or what we can do is we can actually do the funeral here in the Holy Land. We can bury your mother-in-law here in the Holy Land, which would be special. And it's actually going to be a lot cheaper. It'll only be about $2,000. And so the gentleman said, look, this is a big decision. He said, give me a moment. I just need to, I just, need to just take a moment to think it through. And he took a moment and he came back to the gentleman and said, you know what? Uh, I think I'm gonna pay the extra money and have my mother-in-law shipped back to the US so we can bury her there. And the gentleman was confused and he looked at, looked at the guy and he said, really? The mortuary looked at the guy and said, you're gonna pay the extra money to send your mother-in-law back? And he said, yeah, yeah, let's do that. I think that's for the best. He said, you're not gonna bury her in the Holy Land? And he said, no, let's, let's ship her back. And he said, look, if you don't mind, the decision's up to you, but if you don't mind me asking, why, why do you not wanna bury your mother-in-law here in the Holy Land? It's cheaper and wouldn't that be special? And the gentleman said to him, he said, well, he said, I heard a story once about a man who was buried in the Holy Land. <laughs> and he came back to life. <laughs> and he said, I, could, I just can't take that chance, shipper. <laughs> if you're here with your mother-in-law, just look over awkwardly and Smile at her like you wouldn't do that. <laughs> but one of the things that I love about Easter is Easter is something to be celebrated. As we look at this story, I know we've heard it so many times before the Easter story. I know we can look at the Easter story. There's so many different angles and, and so many different perspectives on the story. This, this moment on Sunday was, was, there was so much craziness going on surrounding the resurrection of Jesus. There are so many different perspectives happening in this story. Of course, we know we celebrated or rather a better way to put it is we remembered what Jesus did on the cross on Friday, on Good Friday. And of course, Saturday goes through and now we remember and we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ on Sunday, this story that we're reading about and the story that the way Matthew writes it of the two Marys going to the tomb, as we just read, the two Marys got up early and they went to the tomb that day. And you have there, we're, gonna, we're reading in the book of Matthew their perspective on this story. But as I began to look at this story and, and just pray and just look at really what these last three days have been like, if you know anything of what the story happened, anything of what this story is and what it represents, Jesus came as God in flesh and hung on a cross for all of us. And then He paid the price and He went to hell and the grave 
the Bible says. And on Sunday, that's what we're celebrating today. We're celebrating that resurrection. But just at the start of this little message that I want to preach to you this morning, I don't necessarily, we're not talking about Friday. And before we start talking about Sunday, I want to just talk to you just for a few minutes about Saturday. And I know that's a weird thing to begin with on Easter Sunday, but I think sometimes surrounding Easter, we overlook Saturday like nothing happened on Saturday. But you got to understand, church, and remember that Saturday is actually a very significant day in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Saturday to the disciples, Saturday to Jesus' friends, Saturday to Jesus' family was a day of mourning. Not only was Saturday a day of mourning, Saturday was a day of absolute confusion. Saturday was a day represented, a day where they have no idea what they're going to do. Are they now about to be killed themselves because the one that they followed has just been crucified on a cross? Saturday represents a day of utter darkness. Saturday, when you look at Saturday, Saturday speaks of complete and utter despair and hopelessness. Saturday on the surface looks like if ever you're going to give up as a follower of Jesus, you're going to give up on Saturday. Because everything that he professed to be on Thursday and Friday, even understand that they were looking at the cross, waiting for Jesus to stop everything. So when Saturday comes, and Jesus has been buried. All hope is lost. But I want to remind you, church, that it was actually on Saturday where Jesus did His greatest work. We celebrate and it becomes manifest on Sunday. Sunday we see it, but Saturday is when He did it. Because Revelation actually tells us that Jesus, once he was buried, he went down to hell itself and took back the keys. He didn't do that on Sunday. We see him come out of the grave on Sunday. But is there anyone that wants to praise him for what he did on Saturday? It was on Saturday. What is your, what's your Saturday? See, we can be encouraged by Saturday church as we look at this story in knowing that when we feel like we're in dark times, we gotta remember that we serve a Jesus who's great at doing things in the dark. We gotta remember that we serve a Jesus that doesn't need to wait until Sunday. He'll get the job done on Saturday and then celebrate it on Sunday. That during, that during Saturday, see Sunday, was where we see the fruit of what he did on Saturday. Maybe you're here and maybe you feel like you're in a Saturday. 
Maybe you feel like your family is in a Saturday where you're still, you still are not sure how it's going to work out. You feel like there's darkness. I want to encourage you that you need to not worry about what's going on in the natural and know that your God's doing something in the Spirit on a Saturday that's about to manifest and come forth on a Sunday. Take about 10 seconds and praise Him for Saturday. He's doing a work. He's working on it. He's working on it on Saturday. While they were freaking out, while they were worrying, he was doing his work. And this story says, as Mary and Martha, it says, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week, see, they says after the Sabbath, Saturday for the Jewish people, that was their church day. It's interesting, there's less written about Saturday than any of the three days. We don't hear anything of what the disciples, Jesus' friends and Jesus' family were doing on a Saturday. I don't know whether they went to church or not on a Saturday. But the reality was for them at that point, it didn't matter because there are some things that you walk through. There are some hurts and there are some losses and there are some disappointments that you're gonna work through that church is just not gonna cut it. It's not gonna be enough just to walk into church like we perhaps religiously do sometimes. That there are some things that, that we go through that church doesn't seem to, fill the void, that there are some challenges we walk through and we need more than just a nice song and a pretty sermon. There are some challenges and some people in this room that are perhaps going through something and you don't just need a service, you need an encounter with a living God that's gonna give you the fulfilment that you desire. I wanna tell you church, sometimes we're gonna walk through things in our lives where church and a service don't cut it. And hear my heart, I'm a pastor, I love nothing, brings me greater joy than to see the body of Christ come together and celebrate what Jesus does throughout the week and celebrate every Sunday. And I think that's important, but it cannot replace the God encounters that you're having Monday to Saturday. We gotta be a people that know what it is to encounter Jesus for ourselves, and they came and and the Bible says that they came they came to the tomb it says that they came to see the tomb what I love about Mary and Mary in this story is that we got to understand in this portion of the story, Jesus seemingly has radically let them down. I know that we don't talk about this a lot because we know the whole story. We know that he was in control, even though it looked like he wasn't. But in their perspectives, in their minds at this moment, Jesus had promised so much but delivered so little. Jesus had professed to be the Messiah. But now Sunday morning, he's dead in the grave. What I love about Mary and Mary and the thing that jumps out at me about these two women 
even though Jesus had seemingly let them down, they still went to the tomb anyway. Why did they go to the tomb? We can look at it and we can have different perspectives and different ideas on it. But really, as you look at it, I think the reason why they went to the tomb is they were having, actually having trouble letting go. The Bible says that they gathered spices and I guess they didn't because in, the, in reality, think about it from a practical standpoint, they know that the tomb is guarded. They know there's a stone. They're not even gonna be able to get to him, but they just feel like it's the right thing to do to take the spices and just go. They're not sure what even their plan is, but they just, they're having difficulty dealing with the death. They were so personally connected to him, that they just couldn't let go, even when it looked like he had let them down. How quickly are we in church, if you're a Christian here, how quickly are we to just let go of God in a moment when we feel like he doesn't deliver when we feel like he should? How quickly are we? I ask myself, would I have been at the tomb that next morning? Would I have been one of those people that said, you know what, I know in the natural, it doesn't make sense. I know in the natural, I don't understand, but I'm so connected with you, Jesus, that I just cannot let go. This is the type of relationship that Jesus came and hung on a cross for. It was not for religion, it was for relationship. Because religion will check out the moment the form doesn't line up. But relationship will say, God, I'm so personally connected to You. Even if I feel like You've hurt me, even if I feel like You've let me down, I'm still gonna get to the tomb. I don't know what I'm gonna do there, but I just know I need to be there because I'm so connected with who you are. It's what separates religion and relationship. See, people talk about today like it's a religious day. And we come to church all dressed up in our Sunday best and we come with our shirts ironed and our pretty hats. But I wanna tell you something, church, we can't let a nice dress, a pretty hat or a great suit stop us from getting to the tomb of where Jesus is and say, He might've let me down. There might be things that I would do different, but He's my Saviour, He's my Lord and He deserves my praise. Give Him praise if you're grateful. Come on for who He is. There's gotta be, I love that there was something in these women. All of the others that had walked with Him were not there, but there was something in these women that just said, I know it doesn't make sense, but I'm in this thing too deep. I've had those moments where I've, Talk to God like that. And I've said, God I, God, I don't understand it. This is what He died for. He died so that we could have this type of relationship with Him. God, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I'm trying to work it out in my head. I don't know why you're taking me down this road, but I'm in this thing too deep to pull out on you. Doesn't make sense. I don't know what it's gonna look like. I don't know what the next corner is gonna look like. I don't know why I'm walking through this. I don't know why I'm dealing with this breakdown or walking through this sickness, but I'm too connected to you to let, to let go. I'm, too, I'm in this thing too deep. 
to pull out. I've got nothing else but you, Jesus. See, what, what is powerful, see, the angel saw this because when the angel, see, Matthew says in Matthew's writing of the story, Matthew says they came to see the tomb. The word see, it just means to, to check out or to consider. But when they got to the tomb, the angel, the angel pinned it straight away because the angel said to them, I know you came to seek Jesus. See, the word seek means to worship. What brought Mary and kept the two Marys so connected to him is because they came. They were not just coming to check it out. They were coming because they were so personally connected with him through worship. But maybe, church, maybe you're here and maybe that's how you would describe even you coming to this service today. That maybe you're not somebody that would say that you're super connected to Jesus and that's okay. Maybe you would describe it like, like you're somebody that came to, to look and, and to see. To just, to just come, to, to, to just, just check out, check out the service. See, what, see what's going on. Maybe to hear Matt Redman or maybe to hear an Australian get up and sort of talk for a little bit. And you're sitting there thinking, I can't even understand one thing this cat's up there saying. Maybe you're somebody that, did, that you did just come to see, but that's okay. Because one of the things I love about Jesus is Jesus didn't come to hang on a cross and die for those people that just came to worship Him. Jesus doesn't wait for us to get our life right. We don't have to wait for us to get everything in order and get our life right before we come to Jesus. Because if you could do that, you would not need Jesus. What Jesus says is, He says, come to me, all of you. Let me put it in my language. Come to me, all of you who are screw ups and I will make you whole. Jesus says, bring, listen, one of the best things about Jesus and can I tell you, He's not intimidated by our mess. He will always meet us where we're at. It doesn't matter where we're at, whether you're like the woman with the issue of blood crawling on the ground or whether you're like Zacchaeus who climbed a tree just to see what was going on. Jesus had different ways of encountering each of them, but He encountered the both of them. Maybe, maybe you're, here, you're here and you feel like you're in that place. Feel like you just came to check it out. Jesus loves it. The Bible says that if you draw near to me, then I'll draw near to you. It doesn't matter what your drawing near looks like. We get so religious in church that we think drawing near to God looks like laying face down on the ground with our arms spread out, crying our eyes out. Maybe not for everybody. Maybe drawing near just looks like someone just coming to just stand there and just see what's going on. Jesus is so secure in who he is and what he carries. He doesn't care how you come to him. The main thing is that you get there. Because he knows if you can just get there, 
and you get a taste of what I carry, you will encounter my presence and my love for you. As this story goes on, it says, the angel said to them, come see. I like this, the angel said, come in. Because they get there and they're freaking out and they're not sure what, they're like, what in the heck is going on? But the angel says, come see. Before you go off and go and try and find him, the angel says to them, come and see where he lay. Come see, before you go and see where he is now, come and see where he used to be. See, I think the greatest, I think one of the greatest testimonies to the goodness and grace of God in our life is not just where we are now, but where we used to be. I think sometimes as we're making that journey, maybe you're here and you're saved and you're still walking through some things and you're still dealing with some things and the enemy sometimes can try and get you off track. But the angel said to Mary and Mary, so you don't get off track on your way to encountering Jesus for yourself, I need you to look back at where He used to be because when we look back at where we used to be, it gives us enough faith for us to keep making the journey. I know, I know you may be screwed up still, but how many wanna praise God that we're not as screwed up as we used to be? I know you're still battling, you might still be battling that depression, but you're not dealing with it as bad as you used to. So don't be so hard on yourself right now. Just praise God for what He's done thus far. See, there's something, there's something of a spirit of gratitude that we gotta get in our hearts as we keep making this journey in life. Because we get so forward focused and I think it's a good thing. I think it's part of having vision. But I think every now and then we've got to just look back and say, God, I just thank you. God, there's so many things I want to do and so many things that I'm still working towards and so many things that I need a breakthrough in. But I don't want to get so future focused that I don't know what it is to just look as I'm walking, look back and say, man, I thank you for what you did back there. I thank you that you reached down and picked me out of hell itself where I was back there. I might not be where I wanna be just yet, but I praise you that I'm not where I used to be. So they start making, they start making this, this journey. And finally, they encounter Jesus. See, You've got to understand, church, that the resurrection was the final, it was the final piece of the puzzle. So many things that Jesus had said up to this point, maybe not so many things, maybe just a few things for the disciples, maybe more for others, actually didn't make a whole lot of sense. 
Remember when Jesus was telling the disciples, I'm going to die. Peter's like, bro, listen, you're not going to die. Let's, let's, let's quit the negative talk. How's Peter's form? You know, telling Jesus to not talk negative. Like, so he's God, shut up, you know. And, and Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Because what Jesus was saying, it didn't make sense. A broken body when he led them in that, that meal that they had, the bread and the, the wine, what we celebrated just before, it didn't make sense. But when the resurrection happened, everything made perfect sense. Once Sunday came, they looked back and said, this, this was what he was talking about. He had it lined up all the way along. See, you've got to understand that Friday spoke to us, speaks to us of how much He loves us and what He was prepared to do for us. But then Sunday is where there's a transfer of the power of what Jesus did on Friday and Saturday gets outworked on Sunday and we receive the power back to overcome every single thing that the enemy tries to use to hold us back. Sunday is where the script flips. Sunday's where the game changes. And I don't know where you're at in your walk with God. Maybe you're here and you wouldn't say you have a walk with God. That's okay. But you need to know that He still died for you. That as I said earlier, you don't have to get your life right before you come to God. What Jesus did on the cross is that powerful that it can cover. A better way to even put it is He will use. Because the Word says that He works all things for the good. The very thing that you think disqualifies you from the call of God and the love of Jesus is the very thing that He says, if you bring me that, I'm going to use it for my glory. Some of you have disqualified yourself. You've said, I cannot, I can't respond to Jesus. I've been abused. I've been addicted. I've been in another faith. I've been, I grew up this way. I've got these issues. I've got these thoughts. But you serve a God who hung on a cross to pay a price for every single one of those. And He says, I'm not intimidated by it. In fact, that's the stuff that I want. And I want to share just real quickly before we close. I want to share real quickly the story of this brand, of a particular brand that we all know called Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton was born in 1821. He grew up in a small village in France. His father was a simple farmer. His mother actually passed away when Louis Vuitton was 10 years old. When Louis Vuitton was 13, he actually left home. He left home as a 13-year-old boy and began making the journey from the farm area of France to Paris. He began making this journey on foot. And what he would do is whenever he would get to a town, he would stop at the town and do small odd jobs to earn enough money 
for him to be able to continue on his journey. It took Louis Vuitton two years to make a journey of almost 300 miles on foot. And finally, he got to Paris where he began an internship making packaging boxes for clothing for people. He was working as a young man. Eventually, he was able to work his way up and managed to secure a position actually as a per, the personal box maker for the Empress of France, the wife of Napoleon Bonaparte. He eventually opened his own box making store and customers would come from everywhere to his own box making store. But then during the war, his store was looted and burnt to the ground. Louis across the next few years was able to gather things together and rebuild the business. Of course, we know the brand today and what it's established in 1997. Well, after Louis Vuitton himself has passed, passed away, he put on, they put on a designer known as Mark Jacobs to oversee the whole creative area of the company. In 2012, Louis, Louis Vuitton was named the world's most valuable luxury brand for the seventh year in a row grossing $2.5 billion in worth. In 2008, Louis Vuitton released a bag as part of their spring catalogue. The designer Mark Jacobs gathered their design team in Paris and said, I want you to go out onto the streets and I want you to take pieces of trash and garbage that you find in the trash bins and on the pavements of the streets in Paris and I want you to bring them back to our design studios. So the team did that and they began to gather all of these different articles of trash and garbage that have been found on the streets of Paris and what they did was they put them together and began to sew and attach these pieces of garbage to seven pieces of leather and they made seven bags out of this trash and garbage. There's a picture of the bag is coming up on the screen right now. If you look closely, you'll see a, a screwed up brown paper bag. You'll see a, a few candy wrappers. You'll see there's an empty cigarette container. Seven of these bags were made. Every single one of these bags sold before the release date. Do you wanna know if you wanted to purchase one of these bags, what it would cost you to purchase just one? It would cost you 150,000 US dollars to just purchase one bag. How are they able to take trash off the street and turn trash into the most expensive bag that has ever been made. Let me show you how. Put that picture back up, guys. If you look at that picture, this is what it all comes down to. In the centre of this bag, at the very top in the middle, you'll see these little initials. LV. That it's not the trash that's expensive. But what Louis Vuitton says, 
is he says, my name is so great because of everything that I've done across the years and the price that I've paid across the years. I don't need something of worth to bring wealth. Louis Vuitton says, if you bring me the trash on the ground because of what I've done, I can turn trash into treasure. Church, I wanna tell you on Easter Sunday, if that is the power of Louis Vuitton, then I know another name. And it's the name that's greater than any other name. He didn't make shoes. He hung the stars in the sky. He's not knitting together travel bags. He formed man out of the dust of the ground. And He says to you over your life, bring me your issues, bring me your problems, bring me your brokenness, bring me your hurt, bring me your pain. And let's do something this Easter. Let's touch heaven this Easter. Right across this room with every person on their feet, every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed. 